The Ringer's music critic Rob Harvilla curates and explores 60 iconic songs from the 90s that define the decade. Rob is joined by a variety of guests to break it all down as they turn back the clock. Check out 60 songs that explain the 90s exclusively on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts, from superchargers and brakes to exhaust kits and beyond, eBay Motors levels your baby up to its peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. Cold open question of the week, Kaz. WrestleMania backlash is this coming Sunday. WWE Championship match, Bobby Lashley versus Drew McIntyre versus Braun Strowman. My question for your, you is, you're blindfolded, standing stock still. Which one of those three guys would you least like to take a punch, like a free punch <laughs> in the face from? Who would hurt uh, the most? I, I I honestly think it's Bobby. Like, Bobby, <laughs> Bobby, we, we tend to forget how much, like, Bobby got paid to punch people for real. That's so true. I'm just like, yeah, no, I don't think I'll... I'd rather, you know, not to take anything away from Braun or, or the Scottish Warrior, but geez, I think Bobby Bobby knows how to hit people and hurt people for real. He's done it. That's the reason why he's <laughs> champion, guys. Let's get started with the show. What's going on, jabronis? It's Pitch Mr. Perfect, Skylar Aston. Hey, this is Bruce Pritchard. Gross Battle Season 1 champion, Mike Lawrence. The king of sad stop. The Silver Lake heartthrob. It's Troy Kirby. It's Nick Mundy. This is your real WWE superstar, the legit boss, Sasha Banks. Hey, this is WWE superstar, Braun Strowman. My name's Kevin Owens. I'm Shinsuke Nakamura. Zach Linder. Dan Black, a.k.a. the Goofaraja. I'm AJ Styles, the phenomenal one, if you will, and you're listening. You're listening to this. You're listening to. You are listening to. You're listening. You're listening. You're listening to the Masked Man Show. 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 Welcome to the Masked Man Show with Kaz. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. How are you, Dave? I'm good. We have uh, WrestleMania Backlash is uh, coming up on Sunday. I have a bunch of stuff to say about, well, not really about the matches, but just about the concept. And uh, we're going to break down the whole thing. Um, so we got a lot of WWE. But as we're like hitting record, you started describing Cody Rhodes' promo from mm. last night's AEW to our babyface <laughs> production assistant, John. Do you want to just finish explaining to him what happened last night? Cody Rhodes is in a, I guess he's taking on the, one of the, the British Nigerian boxer guys for um, AEW's Double or Nothing. And I guess last week he put a British flag over him and Cody came out and cut a promo, a pretty standard, you know, 90s, early 2000s, America is great, this is my country type of promo. I'm glad right? that you said I'm glad that you said standard for the 90s. Okay, but go on. Yeah, yeah, because the more I kept going, the more I was just like, all right, let's let's see where this goes. Like Cody obviously acknowledged like, you know, that not it's probably not the easiest thing to 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 stand up for being an American right now without getting into the nitty-gritty details about everything going on and just how mu mucky that could be. And I think he I think for the most part he uh, he he kind of glided his way through that conversation while still like keeping his baby face thing going. Right? What got me and what <laughs> got a lot of people was Cody talking about his pregnant wife uh, Brandy, and you know, as like he's he's going into these sort of examples of why America is still great and why people from other countries come here and make better lives for themselves, whatever. And he ends that like soliloquy with the fact that he's raising a biracial girl. Uh, you know, his his daughter is going to be born soon. And 
he got very teary eyed and performative as you know uh as he tends to do when he gives like these emotional promos which he's excellent at like that's probably his best his best thing is like when it when it's time to pull from emotion like Cody could could really go there right he's good he's good at that but man like oh boy yeah I didn't I didn't like that <laughs> like it's it's rare it's rare for me to really like see something and I'm just like this this feels gross. This feels a little performative. This feels like, again, all right, first off, let me backtrack here before I say anything that's a little, that might be considered insensitive. I'm not saying anything about Cody and Brandy's daughter. Absolutely not. Would never say anything crazy about, you know, children or involving children or, uh, you know, by you know being a biracial child like that child didn't ask for any of that right but it made me really uncomfortable i'm not gonna lie like it made me really uncomfortable like i know there's certain things that you know you can you can pull from from real life to 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 draw babyface attention and you know it's very old school 90s to be like america's good foreigners bad and i'm par- and i'm proud to be american you know why because look at my beautiful black wife and my barish. I mean, America's got its things, but at least I got this, right? <laughs> which is which is very, yo, not accusing Cody of being any sort of racist at all. Definitely not. But I mean, that shouldn't be the thing. You 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 stick your pole in to see the progress that this country has made, you know, with you know, with race relations, right? Like it, it might be great on your side, it might be beautiful, and you know, your the relationship with the family that with his family is 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 you know probably as, as great as anybody could ask for. Yeah. But like racists have biracial kids all the fucking time. <laughs> like that is in no way, shape, or form saying that, like, oh yeah, like America has its faults, but like you know, I'm going to raise this beautiful, you know, proud to be mixed, you know, both cultures, child, you know, very happily. And, uh, you know, God forbid, I would never, ever, ever tell anybody how to raise their child. I'm definitely not doing that. I'm just saying, as far as wrestling promos go, that is something where it's like, well, like, am I supposed to cheer for this? Because this kind of feels a little convoluted. It feel it felt a little fake. It felt a little extra to me. And and I like Cody a lot. Like, I think Cody Rhodes is, you know, when it comes to straight up, he he is the AEW audience, right? He's the perfect baby face for that AEW audience, right? But boy, oh boy, that was just that was a big fail on my part. I think they could have got to the point without invoking his his you know soon to be child yeah okay let me, i want to jump in here and and i i don't and i basically just because i would have well i have a, i have a literally like 15 notes from when i watched this uh, promo live <laughs> okay. and i'm actually not going to say any of them because <laughs> i i think i'm going to get into cody Rhodes territory myself really quickly even though i you know it, it, I, i'm i'm sure i would love to bounce some of them off you maybe off the air but listen yeah Here's why it sounds inauthentic. Yeah. Because this whole thing came under the guise of cutting a pro-America promo on a British dude, right? I mean, it's like <laughs> nobody actually feels this way. No, no. Like, nobody. Okay, I'm not going to say nobody. There is probably some people that feel this way. They probably like say this shit to like when they're watching Gordon Ramsay on TV and they're yelling, you know, just like, oh, you stupid Brit, get off yeah. of my screen. My but, freedom like, no, fries out of no, here. <laughs> yeah, nobody actually feels this way. And so like you mentioned, you, you said it, you can work real things into these baby face promos and that it's true. You know, like if Cody Rhodes was feuding with, well, I don't even know what the contemporary example would be, but if it was like, you know, in the days following nine 11 and you're feuding with like a, like a heel, you know, Al Qaeda operative, I'm not, no, I'm just saying, and and you actually, and you work your real feelings of patriotism into it, then that's a real, like, I, like your tears, I accept, like, whatever. It's more understandable. I mean, obviously, even those sort of conversations and those sort of promos, even looking back now, might have 
stoke the flames of some anti-Muslim yeah. <laughs> sort of uh, feelings around this country. And even that feels a little gross nowadays, right? But even then, you could at least explain it away where it's like, okay, we're at little reward with this country. This is why this is happening, all right? So if there's an audience that's going to feel connected to a guy who is saying, you know, we're going to get those Taliban, whatever, I get that. But it's like, one dude is British Nigerian. Like he's not. I don't think you got any beef with those folks, right? Um, I could have definitely. It's it's just. I really, really wish he didn't go there. Like, just beat his ass, Cody. Like he he, he threw a flag on you. You didn't have to like you know take up for the sanctity of the American values uh, because of this match or whatever. And I understand a person that popular in that company absolutely needs to continue to do stuff that feels important, especially where, you know, kayfabe, he's never allowed to challenge for the AEW world title or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I understand why he has to do these things to kind of make it still feel important. But it's just like, yo, bro, like there's a lot of black dudes that, well, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how many black people watch AEW, but there's, I, I am a black dude who was watching AEW. And we're just like, this feels very inauthentic, Cody. I would have went a different way. (laughs) Listen, man, there were people online that were criticizing just the patriotism aspect of the whole thing, like setting aside the end. And 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 I think that the I think that people kind of came to an endpoint of this argument or whatever it was pretty quickly, which is, I said this, you said at the very top, and I jumped in. This is a very standard '90s patriotic promo. And if you just want to take and listen, let's set aside the fact that. People probably haven't been cutting babyface promos on the British since like 1776. That's fine, but uh, I, I just don't, I just don't know that you can cut a white meat. Well, whatever it is, I'm not even gonna say white meat. If you can cut this kind of babyface pro America promo in 2021 without a little bit more introspection or doing it deliberately, there's all this stuff with Cody where it's like. He's going to turn heel at some point and we're all going to be like, oh, crap, he's been healed for the past six months and we haven't noticed it. And I'm not saying a, a patriotic promo is heelish, but all this stuff is like very it's just what did not come off the way that he expected it to. It didn't come. Listen, he's doing the toll. I'm the American dream for one night only thing. I love the gimmick. But if his dad had cut that promo in 1988, it would have been a top notch promo. And Cody's got the skills to do it. It's just the whole thing was like. I'm just so perplexed. I'm so perplexed. And this is coming from a dude who, remember when he had that, when he had, did that interview and he talked about how he didn't have a racist bone in his body? I mean, this is probably a year and a half ago now. And and uh, and he, he was telling the story. He said he I told his wife he didn't have a racist bone in his body. And she's like, well, then you haven't, you know, you haven't lived my experience or whatever. And he's like, crap, that's when I realized that I I have no idea. Um so you know the dude's smart. The dude's introspective. The dude's thoughtful. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm never gonna. I'm never gonna accuse him of of being like not uh, you know thoughtful or anything like that. But I I think the re I think I think the reason why it rubbed me the wrong way is because he's 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 come off as very thoughtful yes. and you know very no, and- uh, aware of himself and his surroundings and and the way he comes off you know for so long that this just felt like super like high key tone deaf. You yeah, know? I mean, I think it was just the. I think it was a setting. This had been like a I'm leaving for with an injury or returning from an injury promo, and you went there. Okay, that's fine. You know, if they're mid, if they're, I don't know, the whole thing just seemed it started from a place of which just it just seemed like it's a inauthentic wrestling stuff, and then you get to this real serious place, and now all of a sudden we're like, I'm very confused. I'm like I'm I, I don't know what I should feel right now. And and it's and it's almost unfair as a fan, as like you know when you use those sort of things, it's almost like you cannot criticize this. It's like, oh, you're gonna tur- you're gonna talk about an unborn child? Are you gonna talk about this country that you live in? Like, like when you say these certain things, you get put sort of in a box where it's just like, well, if you say anything negative about this, you're the real racist or you're the real terrible person. Like, how are you gonna talk about an unborn child? How are you gonna talk- like, bro? How are you gonna talk about an unborn child? <laughs> you know? So, I, it it just didn't. Cody's better than that. I'll put it like that. Cody's yeah. better than that. He didn't need to do that. Well, whatever. I mean, the thing is, I, I appreciate Cody's role in this company uh, that it's evolved to this place of making other stars. Not just that, but like taking people. I mean, look at the Shaq thing. Taking people that that aren't that don't have a lot of experience and making them look good. You know, I mean, this is like this is Cody's job. And listen, maybe this is part of some long con to make me care more about Anthony Agogo. I actually think he's great, and I'm excited to see what they do with him. I'm excited that this is a big match for them, and and 
and you know this whole faction is much more interesting than I thought it was going to be when they debuted. Um, but yeah, I guess I mean we'll we'll, we'll see. We got to move on because the the entire I mean the end point of this conversation. You said you that Cody's better than that. Mine is just like I'm I'm confused, and I just you know the the inten- intentions matter, and they should be clear especially in pro wrestling, you know, unless you're telling a mystery story. I don't think this is a mystery story. At least it wasn't supposed to be. Anyway, we got to move on. We're going to talk about Backlash in a sec, but one more AEW thing since we're on it. There is this whole thing. I think this came out since we recorded our last episode that I think Meltzer reported that there was a reaction to blood and guts from somebody inside WWE that said that they've set the the, the industry back 30 years. <laughs> is it that deep? And they and, and there were all these people that were commenting on it. I think the last one that really made made uh, waves was um, the former Damian Sandow uh, jumped on and said, "I heard someone said the AEW Blood and Guts match set the business back thirty years. Number one, it was awesome. Number two, considering what some companies are putting out there, thirty years back would be a vast improvement." Now, you know that's a great dig. It's right on the money. <clears throat> I love I, it. I'm not terribly offended by what anybody says about the competition because I don't think that we really need to parse it for for like deep like like literal truth you know i mean it's like if someone's just like yeah what are they supposed to say like oh man that was a great match that's fantastic like no if somebody's talking about like their ex you know and they're just like yeah he's ugly anyway you know like you don't it it doesn't have to be literal you know if you're like if you have beef you know it's just you can be you can have beef you just Um, say things (laughs) yeah you just say things but people have been latching onto this some trying to trying to like like it's the you know some sort of like codex, like trying to figure out what they what they mean by that. I mean, people, have, a lot of people pointed out, like, hey, WWE, you have a War Games match every year. You know, <laughs> you do this in NXT, and that's obviously exactly what Blood and Guts was. So when somebody said that, what did they mean by that? What did they mean the ending? Did they think the match was bad, like the stabbing? Like I thought, I thought the match itself was good. The only the thing I great. really had an issue with was was the you know. The plush, like the the free That was my first reaction, but I, I don't think that's it. I think that at the end of the day, if I had to guess, I would say this is somebody in WWE management who is looking at, even though the fact that WWE has done this stuff themselves and the NXT shows, I mean, NXT takeovers and stuff, pay-per-view is different. This was a broadcast show that had the kind of violence that WWE has been trying to get distinctly, to get separated out from their product for almost 30 years, right? WWE spent a decade trying to get a TVG rating or TVPG rating, sorry, on TV because they, and it was really hard because the perception, they always had the perception of pro wrestling is that it's violent and bloody. And it, and, and they had to do, they had to have John Cena being a cartoon character for a decade before they got that, before they got that TV rating change. Now, that was probably a just a ridiculous quest from the beyond little, I mean, it, it, it's, it, it's a quixotic to say the least, but for a company that that prized that TV rating, that prized the sort of advertisers that come with it, to prize the sort of the sort of exposure that you know a, whole, a bigger family friendly audience can give you, I can understand somebody being actually upset that some that someone else came along and messed with their definition with the definition of pro wrestling that they have been trying so hard to make. That's it. And I, for, I don't think it's a legitimate gripe. I mean, I think it's a legitimate gripe in the sense that some advertisers may see that on Twitter and be just like, oh, we got to get out of the wrestling business. Yeah, I mean, I could. That, that, there is a legitimate potential aspect to I it. I could see that. But, but it's a, I mean, but it is sort of a silly gripe if that, because that's, you, you, left, you left a lot up to chance when you made this your business model for the past 30 years or whatever you want to say. And, and, so it's sort of silly, but but it is, but I do, but if that's all that they're talking about, I don't have a problem with that statement. You know, I mean, it's like if they're if they're actually saying there's something wrong with the in-ring product, if they're saying that like it's too like whatever, like it make it makes it look like like you know, old bloody Memphis cage match wrestling or whatever, it's just like, ah, oh, shut up. You know, I mean, who cares? Well, I mean, I would say like that's what they were going for, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. I feel like, you know, AEW is the wrestling company for old school wrestling fans. Like just last night, I saw a Shawn Michaels and Ric Flair callback. I saw a beer bath callback. I saw, you know, a lot of stuff that was either late to like early two thousands or late nineties callbacks to when wrestling was about what close to almost 30 years ago at this point. Right. So I guess that, that, 
setting the business back 30 years could mean a number of things. It could mean, you know, you set us back to the time where, you know, a lot of people really cared about the Attitude Era, which, you know, if you ask, if you pull a couple of fans, they wouldn't be too mad at that. But you made a great point. If you got Vince and you got these people at WWE who are trying to take, make, you know, who have spent the past 20 some odd years trying to put wrestling in the same sentence as the NBA, the NFL, you know, that sort of coverage, getting it on Fox, getting it covered on during the Super Bowl, getting, you know, like really making it into a mainstream part of entertainment. I could see why they would say that. But I think when people just hear the term, you know, you set us back a, a number of years, it's just like, it's it's immediately brought with like negative uh, attention and it immediately feels like, you know, you brought us back to the Stone Age. You brought us back to a time that we don't want to go back to is what it sounds like. And, uh, you know, I mean, there's a lot of folks where we see those people, we know those folks who had those matches all the time. And a lot of them, didn't really, you know, it, it 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 didn't age that well. Like you see them now, and it's just like, damn, man. Like you, you don't want to see those people who have, you know, sacrificed so much for you know, you know, the the industry and the company not be able to see the fruits of their labor. I mean, thank God Mick Foley's still around doing his thing. Thank God certain other guys are are still you know have their wits about them that could still you know that are still around. But not all of them are, you know? And I guess that's what they mean by setting the business back 30 years because at the end of the day, that's all a work. Everything's a work. Everything's like, you don't want to really stab somebody. You don't want to really get somebody hurt because the point of this is to make as much money for as long as you possibly can and live a nice, good life, you know what I mean, because of it. And when you're doing that type of stuff, I could see why some people would be like, well, if this does well, and I can't keep up with that. I'm not going to have a nice, long, healthy career, you know, and neither are the people who are doing these matches. So I get that. But me as a selfish fan, I dig it. It's an alternative. WWE doesn't have to dive into or, or even try to uh, to recreate or attempt any of that stuff that they're doing at all. And they shouldn't. It's just nice that, you know, if there's an alternative, there's a place for you that want to do that. You can do that. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED highlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Pondering the Bagel with Tom. Oh, the paradox of the bagel. Tis crunchy yet soft. Tis filling yet has a hole. Tis a vehicle for spreads, but only travels from toaster to plate. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. Let's move on to the other federation. Maybe, maybe you're familiar with WWE. Uh, WrestleMania backlashes this weekend. I look at the... <laughs> I'm looking at, at our cheat sheet here that, that uh, our babyface producer put together, and John says, the first note is, why do the Raw Women's and Men's World Champions have the same triple threat storylines? Um, that's a great, that's a great question. Uh, it's not that it's, uh, I feel like we hit We hit this note every year at one pay-per-view or, or another where it's like, it is kind of wild that they do, that they do all these theme pay-per-views, you know, TLC, Hell in a Cell, like whatever. And 
Survivor Series, whatever. And 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 yet, it seems like once a year, we're about one match away from an all-triple threat pay-per-view, and they just don't <laughs> do it. Like, yeah. why not? Why not sell this? It's just like, backlash, triple threat, and have it be like rematches plus another person. It would actually make a whole lot of sense, wouldn't it? To it do would. like Just to formalize it somehow, because Didn't right they do now, one like way back when? I feel yeah, like they had like a triple threat a three-way dance pay-per-view. Yeah. We'll look it up. But, but I mean, why not? I mean, the, right now, the theme of Backlash is literally that it's WrestleMania Backlash. The title is WrestleMania Backlash. Mm-hmm. And so it's a lot of rematches. It, but yeah, I mean, so why not just like in, introduce a little bit of spice to this? You know, I, I just don't think that like, hey, we're redoing WrestleMania, except when except for the handful of th- storylines that don't allow it is really a good sales hook. And I think that, you know, it, it just shows... I don't know. I mean, I guess I, they, they, I'm going to say complacency. It is complacency to to think that you listen. WrestleMania, WrestleMania is what sells WrestleMania. To think that you built all these storylines up to make to, to, that 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 WrestleMania would have been a destination show if it had been called if it had been called Fastlane. You're crazy. It's not a bigger show. It would not have, you know, it, Fastlane does not sell out a football arena. You know, I mean, it's, it's a, WrestleMania is so to call this, I, that, well, I guess that's why they put WrestleMania in the title. But to think like these matches have some sort of like staying power, I, I don't know. It seems sort of beside the point. Well, I think I always thought Backlash was like, you know, the Mar, I, I treat it like the Marvel end credit scene of WrestleMania, right? It's like, what happens next, right? It's, it's almost like whatever, what was, whatever wasn't completely, Settled at WrestleMania, settles at Backlash. And I guess they kind of had to hit us over the head by calling it WrestleMania Backlash, just in case we didn't get the hint that this was like the last time we're going to see a lot of these programs. So I'm not too mad at it. I mean, I feel like this is a good way to get Drew away from the title for a little while until maybe SummerSlam or Money in the Bank or whenever, you know, another important uh, pay-per-view comes along. Because it seems like we're getting into like a, a, a long Drew and Braun sort of story right and you know you got to continue to make bobby you know look like a formidable champion for as long as he can and a triple threat match is always good ways to do that because you know you could start all you always start new stories and get people you know going in different directions without having the same matches over and over and over again right um so with that i mean I, i think first off i'm just a sucker for meat fest pause like i love a good Hoss fight where it is just like three just the gargantuan men just throwing at themselves at each other. And <laughs> and uh, you know, I'm I'm a fan. I'm a fan. I'm a I don't think Braun Strowman gets enough credit for like these electric hoss fights that he used to have with like Roman Reigns, you know, like those were some of the most fun matches that you know, you know, you, you'll ever see. And I think Drew and Braun, uh, Drew and Bobby, however, have sort of that same engine that Roman has, you know, to really get the best out of Braun Strowman and the best out of these sort of matches. So I'm looking forward to it. Um, I, I, I think Bobby's going to retain. I, I would hope Bobby retains here and and keep that train going. But yeah. Triple threat matches are usually fun. Triple threat matches are usually fun. I wouldn't be mad if they did a triple threat pay-per-view like back in the day with Fatal 4-Way. You know what I mean? Just like... Can I suggest a new a new option to this whole thing? What's the new option, dude? I'm sorry this is fantasy booking. I'm sorry this is just like whatever. Yeah. You know, it wasn't that long ago. Was it Shane McMahon that came out and said that like rematch clauses don't exist anymore in WWE storylines or whatever? At least... You go to the back of the line. Yeah, that's a that I, I I like that I like that they're just messing around with you know with rules and with history and whatever else that, but I'm not sure that's exactly the right tone. I was thinking as I was staring at the backlash card, what if instead of doing rematches for WrestleMania, we actually treat WrestleMania like everyone's been begging forever, like the end of the season? What if the what if the the end point of WrestleMania? What if the built in to WrestleMania kayfabe and not is that? The losers of the match don't get rematches ever against that person. Or I'll take it one step further. What if the losers of every match at WrestleMania have to switch shows? That would be cool. It would, it would give some sort of finality. I, I think what we're all looking for, especially with these big golf matches, is a nice, yeah, a nice sense of finality to any of these matches, especially when it comes to WrestleMania, especially when a lot of these builds have been happening for maybe like a month or two or three. You know what I mean? You want to feel like it's the end of a chapter. You want to feel like what you just saw at this big, massive show meant something, you know? And 
you know, there's, there's, I guess in a weird way, and I guess this might be kind of off track a little bit, but this is what made like the John Cena and Rock matches feel so good, right? Like John Cena lost, right? It was a year long buildup to the John Cena and the Rock match, the once in a lifetime. And John Cena lost and the Rock was out of here for a couple of months. And the whole year-long storyline going into there until The Rock came back and won the world title was how John Cena deals with such a huge defeat, you know, for, for the rest of the year. And if and if y'all remember, I don't know if people remember watching that, but John Cena took a lot of L's that year. Like, he was out of it. He was toying with going heel. Like, he was kind of losing it for a while. And it was, it's like some... When you get finality to something, you get to tell some really good stories. You get to talk about consequences. You get to talk about, you know, uh, what ifs. You get to talk about so many things where, you know, something happens and you don't necessarily get get to run it back right away. You know, like there's a story to tell. That's why people love real sports. That's why people love the NBA and the Super Bowl and the NBA finals. Because if you win or lose the finals... You're not getting that chance to get it back or repeat for at least a year, you know, or or even or even when you do play that team again, you know, it's not going to be for a while, you know, like it's good to get these people away from each other, you know, especially when these matches happen. Like we just saw Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns like share a scene together for the first time on SmackDown and probably since the Shield, uh, the, the end of the Shield, right? I think that was the last time. And it felt special. It felt good. Like it felt like wow. Like look at this. Look at the uh, look at the the history here. And it, and it made you want to see them go at it again. But they didn't give it to you right away. So WWE knows how to do some finality for some shit. But when they, it, I feel like their problem is sometimes is knowing when to pull the trigger on just being done with something and trying something new <laughs> and trying something different. It's not saying you can't go back to it. But, you know, make me feel like the stakes mattered here, man. Yeah, I mean, I think that that it sort of goes to what I think we were kind of alluding to earlier. They don't tell the stories in a very deliberate way, right? It's like if you really told the story, if you had the whole if you have the whole storyline mapped out. And this this is not like, oh, AEW does this and WWE doesn't. I mean, that's maybe true now, but like WWE used to tell these stories back in the day when they only had you know, a couple or four pay-per-views or whatever that would like last a whole six months. You know, these Hulk Hogan gets earthquaked by the earth. I mean, gets avalanched by the earthquake or whatever and it disappears and we just keep it's little little breadcrumbs all the way until the match. They can do it this way. And it and when you get to the end, Hulk Hogan overcomes, he vanquishes his foe, and that's kind of it. Maybe later, maybe down the line on Saturday night's main event, you get a tag team match with them in it or whatever. Hogan and Andre obviously dragged on a little bit beyond WrestleMania three, but what do we remember? We remember WrestleMania three being the ending. You know, I mean it's not it's the million dollar man stuff came later, but like it's WrestleMania three sort of stood on its own. I mean, I'm just just spewing stuff here right now, but if you tell the story in a very de- deliberate way, when you get to WrestleMania, you shouldn't be saying, "Oh, you know what? Maybe there's a little bit more here than we realized." Because the, you would have you would have realized that ahead of time, right? I mean, if, if you just do when you when you do the builds or when the builds are so slapdash, then it's normal. Then it makes sense that you would get to WrestleMania and be like, "Oh, you know what? We didn't even think about this thing we could have done with them," because you didn't think about it. You didn't, you know. I mean, and I mean, and and it's just it's. Just, it shouldn't be that shouldn't be the reason for doing the rematches. That's evidence that you should that you should be rethinking the whole thing. Anyway, that's it's just a silly rant. But your rants aren't silly, David. They're all very they're very concentrated. <laughs> thank you. You lose at WrestleMania, you have to switch shows. That's I think that should just be the thing. And you know, maybe we'll make it a little bit more deep, like, oh, and then you're immune from the superstar shakeup when it comes around or whatever. But make it give the give stakes. You know, if it's if it's a title match at WrestleMania. You have to switch shows. And then you actually get into like high level thought processes, right? Like I won the Royal Rumble. I got to go with the match that like I think I'm going to win, not the one that it sounds the most fun because like I don't want to leave my show or, you know, I mean, it, it could be, it, I don't know. I think, I think, I think there should be finality. I think there should be stakes. And this, and the fact that they have a whole pay per view where the whole point is there's no finality. This stuff lasts forever. I don't know. I mean, every single match, you're right, sound, is like a post credit scene. And that's not a compliment. Yeah, I feel like I feel like the the one thing I learned about, you know, rematches in WWE is that like I feel like they're safe, right? Like I feel like there's definitely some sort of comfort 
to knowing that you're working with the same guy for the next like seven, eight months, you know? And, you know, I think there's, I, I don't know. I mean, this is just me putting two and two together. I'm sure there's something where you, there's a sense of, of comfort and a sense of like keeping like important stars healthy. And, 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 you know, there's, there's always that risk when you're working with somebody new, especially not having that same chemistry, that same timing down, like little things could go wrong. And, you know, when you got a lot of money into somebody, you know, it could be a hard thing to, you know, just throw them in a match with someone that, you know, I'm not saying that they're careless, but you know, there's just that, that timing and chemistry there, things could go wrong. So I, it, you know, it's weird. It's weird. Like there's, there's reasons, you know, as a fan and there's a reason storyline wise that, you know, the million sort of like run it back rematches, like really make no sense, but you could kind of almost rationalize it when it comes to, like the health and safety of certain competitors. Like I, I kind of, kind of sort of get it, but yeah. And so until the talent starts getting like, like formal time off every year, to rehab, then yeah. we don't need to talk too much to health and safety. Although I do, I do take Very it. True. I, no, no, no. I guess I'm being silly. That makes sense. But you can, but all that stuff can be subsumed under, like you figure out how to tell the stories great first. And then you figure out the like health and safety and whatever else you want to do. You build, a, you can build around that. Anyway, let's get to the actual card, which is not as bad as my complaints might make it sound. <laughs> There's a lot of good stuff here. All right. So let's take it from the top. Okay, we're talking about it. Bobby Braun Drew, triple threat, wrestling with WWE Championship. You are going to say Bobby's going to win because Drew and Braun are going to spin off on their own thing. I mean, that's that's what I was going to go with, too. Anything else to say about it? I think Bobby needs a, a, a definitive win over one of these guys. That's all I'm going to say. I think Bobby needs a definitive win, um, you know, especially after WrestleMania. That felt a little bit like an upset. But I think this match, like one more of these, will definitely like close the book on Bobby and Drew until, you know, Drew climbs his way back, you know, into that championship chase. If you had the book, if you had the pencil, as they say, okay, and Bobby, oh, you, Bobby's definitely going to win, but you have to pick who eats the pin. What do you, who do you pick and why? Oh, Braun, Braun's eating it. Braun is. Uh, I would, I would say, you know. The one thing about Braun is that he's kind of has has this out of control strength. And I think maybe it kind of cost him in the end. I think maybe, you know, Drew is looking good and, you know, Braun gets ahead of steam and is about to take out Bobby. And then Braun goes nuts and and takes out Drew and thinking he's going to win. And, you know, I think Bobby and Drew's to have such quick and sudden finishes that you can get out of there really quickly with the spear and, you know, the the Claymore kick. I mean, the Hurt Lock, I don't think anybody, I, I, you know, I think a quick pin does the trick here in, in three-way in, in three dances, right? Like, I don't think it, we're going to get a, a, a Hurt Lock submission. I think we get a quick spear, quick out of here, and then uh, Bobby retains. But is that not less definitive? Wouldn't it be more definitive for him to beat Drew again, or is Braun so big and impressive that like that? If it's just just a powerful win, is a powerful win. A powerful one's a powerful win. He already he already put put Drew to sleep at WrestleMania, right? So you put Drew to sleep at WrestleMania. You take out the monster among men. Nobody could tell you shit at that point, right? Like so, I think that's the way I go. Like right. I, I think if you don't beat Braun, Braun's gonna have a claim to the Universal Title. If Braun's the reason Drew doesn't win. Drew has a beef with Braun that's aside from the world title. And if Bobby takes that win from Braun, Bobby could say, I beat you at WrestleMania. I beat you just now. You two fuckers figure it out. Come see me. Come bring me some new challenges. I'm in. All right. Uh, Bianca Belair uh, versus Bailey for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Jump in whenever you want. I mean, this feels like, like I'm excited for this match. I'm actually really excited just to see i mean for for the bell to bell in this match yeah um and this and they've done a good job of telling the story i don't want to take anything away i feel like we're in the same zone with bianca and i don't know this is a necessarily a bad thing but that we were with drew last year where they're kind of where like they're looking more to like build up the resume so that when we look back in six months it looks great right. than like actually like I don't know, than like telling the story week to week. Does that make sense? Like they like like Bianca needs a I mean they 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 want her to look like a dominant champion instead of like just making her look so dominant, they're just like gonna give her a bunch of wins over dominant opponents or over powerful opponents and then like worry about the rest later. I don't know. I'm maybe I'm being too pessimistic here. 
I mean, yeah, Bianca needs an, not that she needs a, a definitive win, but like a definitive win here would also be nice. You know, uh, I think they're really le- going to lean into the WrestleMania backlash of it all. And if we're establishing new stars, especially someone like Bianca, who has been priority number one in the women's division since the beginning of the year, since the Royal Rumble, and Bailey, who, God bless her, has done an incredible job of staying, you know, in the mix, staying relevant with the talk show and the, the promos and even not being on the WrestleMania card. She was still a pretty important part of the show. Um, you know, I think Bailey, I think we get a great match out of out of Bailey with with Bianca yeah. Belair. And uh, you know, I got Bianca in this, man. Uh she is yeah, me too. She, she's the workhorse. She is the uh she's the she's the thoroughbred, and they're gonna ride her, you know. So they can't no more. I got the horses in the bed. That's terrible. That's all. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm with you on that one. Uh, next match, uh, the other women's championship match on the Raw side, Rhea Ripley versus Asuka versus Charlotte Flair. The triple threat, the aforementioned triple threat for the Raw Women's Championship. Man, I could not care less about this match. Is that bad? Uh, <laughs> is that bad? Yeah, it is bad when you have like three like two of the best wrestlers in the world and one of the most promising up and comers in the world who is also the champion in the match. It's bad. It's not bad on you, but it's a yeah. bad state of affairs. Yeah. I almost feel like there's a small part of me that thinks Charlotte's got to take the title back <laughs> in a weird way. I kind of feel that Rhea, the reason why we love Rhea, well, I love Rhea so much is because, you know, I think she had a, I, I I don't think she was I don't think she was that ready, man. Like I don't think I think it kind of happened a little too fast. There was really no sort of nothing for me to really latch on to her. It's like she just showed up, she challenged for the title, she talked for 2 weeks and then she was the champ, like super quick. And like without even having to go through Charlotte, without having to go through anybody really, like anybody of importance on that roster. It was just like boom, I show up, boom, I'm the champ and it's just like damn, bro, like let's hit the hard reset on this. Let's get the title back on Charlotte. Let's get her closer to 17, closer to, to her daddy's number. And let's start that build correct. Like, there's so much meat on the bones of that Charlotte and Rhea Ripley feud that hasn't even really been plucked yet because of COVID, because of WrestleMania last year and all this type of stuff. Um, and the fact that she was on NXT last year, which was cool. Uh, but there's a lot of bones to pick on there. If I'm, again, if I got the pencil... Let's get Charlotte back the title back. She's got she's got more heat than she had in such a long time. She's got Sonia Deville kind of in her back pocket as like her own personal sort of uh, corporate, you know, bully. You know what I mean? And I don't see a I don't see a, a, a way that Charlotte doesn't win the title back and get Rhea Ripley the proper build to like the megastar that we all think that she could be. Well, that's what, but that's what it should have been last year, right? I mean, that's what Rhea right. Charlotte versus Rhea Ripley, and and Rhea, and they just end up sort of like killing the Rhea Ripley's momentum in the in the process. Now, maybe we get a total do over and they learn from their mistakes and do it right this time. Obviously, they're playing sort of different roles at this point. I agree with you, though. I mean, in in a vacuum, I would say kind of the same thing we just said about Belair, right? This is like new champion. This puts her in a position to take on two of the most important wrestlers in the division in the past decade and 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 put a stamp on her young reign by by defeating them both at the same time uh it makes a lot of sense for her to retain that said i don't know i mean i it I seems like her shit, her shit was too rushed man it was it, it, it seems felt too it, rushed it, it feels like even more so in retrospect than at the time that they were kind of going for a WrestleMania 20 ending, you know, with like these two young champions kind of charting the future for the division on their respective shows. And, you know, it's not... It, it, I, I think that maybe they they hoped that a little bit more excitement would, would just kind of materialize for Rhea Ripley. Uh, and it hasn't. It hasn't. They haven't done... I mean, that's not her fault, you know? I mean, it's they, they didn't tell the story leading to the match and... They didn't really tell much of a story coming out of it. It's a tough, it's a tough spot. You know, so going into it, you know, like on paper, I would say that Ripley, I would, I would pick Ripley. Uh, after hearing you talk about Charlotte, I don't doubt that either. If they if it was a bigger division, if it was a more vibrant division, I would do what they're doing. I I would take something closer to the men's the the men's route, where I would put the title on Asuka 
and let Charlotte and, R- and Rhea Ripley be its own feud separate from the title picture. But I don't think they have enough space. To, I don't think they think they have enough space to run two headline women's feuds. And so I'm still tempted to say Asuka just to be a wild card. But I think that you're right about Charlotte Flair. I mean, I think that I think that I'm just there by a percentage point. I think that I think the Sonya Deville uh, sort of dynamic lets me know where they're, where they're playing their cards. Yep. And I yep. think Charlotte, you know, I think it makes sense. The, the women's division is better when they're chasing Charlotte. I'm sorry. It just kind of is. And, you know, uh, she's the, she's, she is who she is. She is who she is. So it would not surprise me one bit if she won the title back. Yeah. I mean, and, and listen, Rhea Ripley is going to be great. And they, they can't, I mean, there's no way in hell they'd ever give up on her. And, and, and if, you know, and, and they shouldn't, you know, I mean, she's, she's an absolute talent. And this isn't giving up on her. This isn't giving up on her. This is telling, this is building the start a proper way. Give her a reason to really not like these people. Give her a reason for people to get behind her again. Cause it kind of felt too rushed. It felt too rushed. I mean, she is occupying a very different role than she ever occupied on NXT. There's a real practical side of it, which is like, she's not Andre the Giant when she's standing next to Charlotte Flair. Yeah. Right. And she doesn't like need to know, learn how to work again. She knows how to work against comparably sized opponents. That's not the thing, but it's just sort of like tweaking the character and making her just feel a little bit more comfortable and she'll get there as long as they don't keep playing her out. Anyway, moving on the dirty dogs, our guys, uh, Dolphin and and Bobby against Ray Mysterio and Dominic Mysterio, the Mysterio twins. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) First of all, Ziggler and Rude are just doing top flight work. And I kind of wish that there was more more time being given to them, credit being given to them. Maybe it, maybe not. Maybe if they'd got any more, it wouldn't be as much fun. But they've obviously decided to be a, you know... A, the 2020 a, Steiner Brothers. <laughs> yeah, I would go back even further. I mean, they it's yeah. just this is just an old school tag team, you know. I like it's old a, school tags. I like it. I do too, and I and I and I appreciate what they're doing, and and that these are established guys that have finally kind of found their stride doing this. Not they didn't have the stride before, but their stride together, and uh, and yeah, they're making me care about the, the Mysterios too. I mean, in a way, I mean this this feud has has been fine. I, listen, I think that the Mysterios are going to win because I think that it just feels like that's a story. There's a story there that, that WWE be more interested in telling, but, but since being that this is SmackDown and being that my gut says, keep it on the dogs, keep it on the dogs. I don't know. I think I'm going to pick the dogs. I'm picking the dogs, man. I'm picking the dogs. This might be a slight sidebar. Do you not see Dominic Mysterio as a great heel one day? Yeah. <laughs> I think his I think his ultimate calling is a phenomenal heel because we all know he's going to kick his dad's ass one day. We all know he's going to be like get out of here old man, I don't need you. We all know that is coming one of these days. And I think toying with the with the SmackDown tag team titles uh feels like the way to go there. I think one day uh, they'll win the tag team titles, but I don't think it'll be right away. I still think they got to take some, they got to still tell a little bit of that story about that father-son dynamic. And I think eventually it'll all end up in Dominic Mysterio being a shit-eating grin heel in the WWE. And uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to that, man. Like, so I, I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to call the Dirty Dogs losing the title just quite yet. Um, I still think it stays on them, but eventually it'll happen. And then it eventually will lead to the great Mysterio versus Mysterio match that we've been waiting for for a long time. Can I ask a question though? I don't know why. I don't know why Dominic is the one that I'm, I'm asking this question about. Well, I do know why there's a lot of superficial reasons, but like, what is the, what is the Dominic Mysterio timeline right now? Like I agree that we will get at a place that he turns on his dad and it'll be his Shawn Michaels barbershop moment. And, and you know, if everything goes well, that'll be the moment we all look back on. But man, when he, when he debuted on Raw and even when he had that feud with Rollins and they gave him big, big moments, I, I, for some reason still always thought that he was going to like get that moment to shine and then just sort of disappear for a year while he went down to Florida and trained for a while and then, you know, make a big comeback at some point And then that would jumpstart the actual career. I thought it was more of a gimmick. And the longer that he sticks around, the more I'm just sort of perplexed by it. Now it's not like he's not wrestling. It's not like he can't work. And it's, and I'm sure there's a lot of value to him kind of like, you know, working in, 
on the TV and, and, and learning in real time and all that kind of stuff. But I still feel like as much as I agree with you, like I kind of imagine, and this does agree with you totally, but, but I, but what do you think? Does the moment that he turns on his dad happen in the next six months or even in calendar year 2021 or is this something that's going to happen like in the far off future? Is this, are we just going to be in a holding pattern for a while with him? Ah, uh, man, I'm, I'm not trying to, no offense to the great Ray Mysterio. I'm not trying to see this dragged out that much longer. <laughs> like he's getting up there in age. I think that the best thing he can do, the best thing Ray can do for his wrestling career is set up Dominic for the next 10 to 15 years. And mm -hmm. that involves retiring him or at yeah. least hurting him very, very badly. I think it happens by SummerSlam. Huh, okay. I think it happens by SummerSlam. I think it happens before the end of, if I'm really hedging my bets, I think it happens before the end of the year. And we go into WrestleMania with Ray versus Dominic and, you know, Dominic giving him the whole heave-ho in his career. Because Ray is... I mean, he can still go. He can still go with the best of them. But he is definitely no spring chicken anymore. <laughs> that would be kind of awesome if it was like a what, the opposite of like a mask match or something where like Dominic just like beats his dad, retires his dad, and wins the mask. You know, like he's the, he's like the first luchador who like puts on, the, not the first, obviously, there's a lot of, but, but someone who puts on the mask. Mm. That, that would be kind of cool. But anyway. That would be cool. If, but if I take your argument here, we're spending too much time on this match. Now I'm thinking I go with the mystery. I'm back to what I said at the beginning. This is the storyline that WWE wants to tell. And if they're going to make this thing happen, even by next WrestleMania, I feel like they've planted enough seeds, give them the belts, let's move, from, let's move on from there. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. and, let, and let this be where it ends. I don't know. I don't know. But I'm going to go with the Mysterios just to, just to be fun. All right. It might be fun. Might be fun. Let's, let's go with Damian Priest versus The Miz in a Lumberjack match. I love The Miz. I love everything The Miz and Damian Priest are doing. The match with John Morrison on, on Raw was so good that like, I think a lot of people were justifiably asking why that's not the match instead of the, the Damian Priest versus The Miz one. But it's about heat and The Miz has it. And, uh, and I mean, they just transitioned really seamlessly from that WrestleMania. This is a WrestleMania rematch sort not really a rematch but pseudo rematch that I totally that I'm totally into right this is the what we, this is what we want to see Damian Priest versus the Miz two guys who either of these guys could be in the main event picture in you know the next 3 months or something if they wanted them to be so I don't know I mean I, I feel like this is a really good mid card feud because I feel like just in terms of like booking it has real stakes yeah yeah yeah, yeah. definitely has some stakes um but I don't know uh you, you kind of hit the nail on the head. Like, I kind of wish, not even not even with Damian Priest at The Miz, I kind of want to see The Miz versus Morrison at this point, right? Like, I think that's where they're going. And I think that's why Damian Priest wins. Um, and, yeah, I, I, I don't really see it going that, that much further than that. I think they've, you know, the Damian Priest has been attached to The Miz's hip uh ever since his call up and i think that's a good way to kind of bookend it and you know establish damian priest as a as a player in in the company and uh be beating the miz is a great way to really get him started without you know uh bad bunny by his side <laughs> so um i got i got damian priest taking this and i do think you know the lumberjack match is somehow going to i, I don't know i don't know i'm trying to break up tag teams all week but I think this is going to end up being, uh, you know, the start of the end of I'm not even not even here. Like if you watch Raw, their pro, their promo on Raw, you kind of tell the Miz and Morrison aren't necessarily on the same page lately. So they're kind of planting those seeds. And um, I, I'm really looking forward to seeing the Miz and Morrison kind of tangle it up after a while. But I'm ready to wrap this up, too. Let's get David yeah, Priest I mean, and Miz I, out I, here. I, I'm, I'm with you on that. I, just, I feel like I'm, I'm with you on Damian Priest for sure because he can, he'll, he'll, he'll move his way on up. And I do think that it's – I think the big thing from takeaway from Raw is that, like, you just, every time Morrison has, like, a good match or a good, like, 25% of a match, you're just like, this is what he came back for? Like, this is what he agreed to when he came back? Not that there's – listen – more people should come back and work mid-card feuds and be willing to eat some pins and whatever else. But like, yeah, I think I think that what you said answers the question. Miz versus Morrison is the thing that we care about. Is the reason why Morrison comes back. You know, yeah. that's a, that's a fun that's a fun feud. And 
man, if they give that some time, give that some a little bit of isolation, you know, let those guys be hammy against each other or not, you know, whatever. I That could be fun. It'll be fun. It'll be fun. Definitely fun. Yeah. Okay. Last thing. Roman Reigns, your WWE Universal Champion versus Cesaro. We actually haven't talked a ton about this feud. Just sort of just the calendar with SmackDown on Friday sort of... Uh, means that the things that don't always happen, we're not like super eager to, to jump on them or whatever. Um, but they've been doing great stuff. Jimmy Uso is back. Uh, yeah. He's now fully a part of this storyline. Um, he ain't no bitch either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it, Cesaro is finally, finally getting the look that we've all been begging for him to get forever. I really hate to do fantasy booking complaints right now, but I just want to say... There's something about the Cesaro thing, the one tiny tweak I would make. And it's not like they're not acknowledging this, but I just feel like rather than booking him as this supernova, like, oh, he's like, oh, he's that's all, he's the strongest man pound for pound in the history of wrestling and like whatever, he's got all these skills. I would sort of be more, at least storyline wise, compelled by this angle if they just made it about how Cesaro hasn't gotten the shot yet and maybe even it's not about I'm not every angle doesn't need to be the brass ring shit don't get me wrong but maybe it's about how Cesaro's actually put some stuff together instead of making it be like like finally he's getting a chance maybe it's like finally he's figured out how to win matches like may, like maybe after after 30 years or 20 years in the business maybe he's finally real maybe he does an interview where he's just like I was doing stuff that no one's ever done before, and that wasn't enough. I, I consider myself a traditionalist. I have my finishers named after Carl Gotch. Maybe I should have looked back and figured out why that guy won all his matches. And I finally done that, and now I'm finally ready to beat Roman Reigns. You know, just give him a little bit more, like, something. Grit, you know, storyline of the whole thing. Yeah. I'm excited to see him there, though. I can't, I can't deny that. Yeah, I think it's going to be a great match. Uh, Cesaro always has great matches. I can't tell you the last time he had a he had a bad one. He is mm. he's the shit. But I, I I do say I I find myself agreeing with you a little bit here because anytime they do these sort of he's finally getting a shot. They when they did it with Kofi and they did it with to a lesser extent Daniel Bryan and and you know a lot of these guys who are our favorites and never get sh you know shots. It's always like. It's really not the wrestler's fault, is it? <laughs> like, it's almost like it's almost usually an, indi an indictment on on the company when it's like this guy who's so strong and so this, and he's like the Swiss Superman or whatever. First time he's getting the world title shot. It's like, well, why the hell didn't he get a title shot before? If he was if he was like this the whole time, you know. Um, I think it's more of an. I don't think they want to make themselves look silly and have an indictment on themselves as you know, if we're doing kayfabe. As matchmakers, you know what I mean? Like, it, it kind of makes the Adam Pierce's and the, you know, the Kurt Angles and the, the you know, the the general managers of Raw and SmackDown's past look very silly or, or inept that a guy this good has never <laughs> won a title or even had a, an opportunity to win a title, you know? So, um, I think they don't want to do that, but, you know, I... Maybe it, it maybe it's it's more of finding themselves. Maybe it's more of you know, Ces, you know Cesaro. Any change that he's really had in his, his his character has just been more of him standing up for himself. Like he didn't really do anything different. It wasn't necessarily like, oh, you know, I was doing all these swings and he's got neutralizers or whatever. And you know what? Maybe I should just like, you know not swing that much you know like it wasn't no like it wasn't no no subtle changes that all of a sudden got him on this hot streak to where he could win the world title universal title um i just think it's weird it's, it's more it's more of an indictment on on whoever's making these matches you know yeah. so i don't know there's 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 many things to do here it's, i i truly don't know yeah but i think you got to be willing to embrace that i mean and and obviously they do sometimes and I don't know. I mean, I think you got to embrace that in terms of just being able to tell a story. You don't have to just be like, yeah, we suck every time is the storyline. Right. Although, although, as I've said it before, that is like kind of weirdly the organizing <laughs> principle of like all these meta stories you're trying to tell, right? You watch all the documentaries, you watch all like all, all the the 24 sevens and whatever else, the behind the scenes, the Drew McIntyre and and Keith Lee. And I mean, there's all these ones. And, and, and every single one, it's like WWE didn't know what they had in me. So I had to go prove it, prove it to them, you know? And it's like, well, that's the storyline they keep telling. They keep just relaying that to us. So 
I don't know, but I, but I but I'm I'm excited. I hope they play that out in the match a little bit. I mean, listen, Cesaro is all f- is is his gimmick right now is that he's the most confident man in the world. But like, it would mean a lot to me if he had some looked like he had some jitters when he was coming to the ring on Sunday. All right, you know what I'm saying? All right, you know, like, yeah. this is the biggest moment of his career, and um, that's just all talking about Cesaro though. I mean, the on, on the, the 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 most incredible thing that WWE has been doing, the most incredible thing about about. Well, the entire time since Reigns turned heel, basically, is that his storyline, everyone talks about, like, Ric Flair wrestling a broom or whatever. Like, Roman Reigns could be in sto- in, in, in storylines opposite brooms for since he, since he got the title. And it would still be the most compelling story in WWE because the story that matters is the one that's going on with him and his cousins, now both of them, and Paul Heyman. I mean, this is... This is incredible stuff and and i'm excited to see jimmy back feels like he landed at just the right time to sort of keep this thing fresh and i honestly don't know what they're going to do i mean i remember when they did the when they did the shake-up where i was just like well of course jimmy is going to raw so he can be with his wife and like they're going to split the two usos up and give i mean not that it matters in a pandemic world where they're recording all the shows in the same set you know but like it seemed obvious now nothing's obvious now nothing's obvious with this storyline and i and i it's it's just it's just really, really good stuff, man. I mean, it's uh, yeah. I think I think that I'm more. I'm the most interested in this universal title match, and not even just because Roman and Cesaro are fighting for a title for the first time, but because of what it means for the Usos and you know Jimmy not necessarily being all the way bought in on the bloodline stuff, right? And you know, really still trying to show love for his brother. And kind of in a similar way that the the you know the whole tribal chief era sort of started, where it was like, "I love you, you're my brother. We've done so much together, but you're kind of acting like a little bitch. But I ain't gonna abandon you because you family, you know." And you could tell like that sort of internal struggle he was dealing with before he went in there and, and helped him out at the end of SmackDown. Mm-hmm. So um, that's what's interesting to me the most. Like I don't know, it's it's gonna be. It's going to be very interesting to kind of see where they go. Um, almost ties into the tag team titles, right? Like, he definitely put it out there where he was like, you know, like, if you really want to, you know, pull your own weight, let's go get these tag team titles and show, you know, and really show how how the brothers do it. So who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Um, but I'm interested, which is good. I think Jimmy and I think the Usos themselves, man, like the type of. You know, shout out David D, who just did the A and E biography or whatever. It's like we don't give the Usos as a tag team enough real flowers. Like they've survived so many eras of WWE, and now to see them like at the top of the show, you know, being their authentic selves, it's refreshing. It's different, and it makes me want to watch what happens with them and Roman and the whole family dynamic there, especially with Paul Heyman sort of like pulling the strings in the background. There's there's a lot of stuff happening there that I think is going to go on for a long time, especially going into SummerSlam. Totally agree. So, wait, so who do you think is going to win? Is Roman Reigns 100%? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, it's going to be a great showing. Cesaro's going to give it the old college tribe, but I think it's still big dog season, tribal, big tribal chief energy. The only hole in the Roman Reigns family storyline is the most interesting thing, no matter what's going on. He the only, the only problem with the feuding with the broom situation is that there's just outside of Daniel Bryan because of his the history we have with him. There's nobody that feels that feels like a compelling threat. If it were anybody else, like we talked about this with, I think in some of the other matches on this card, if it were somebody else, you could imagine a situation where. They let where Roman loses the belt so that he can focus on the family storyline. But this belt is so much is so tied in to his whole storyline. I just don't know who could possibly who's possibly going to take him off, take it off of him until when it happens. It's just going to be so obvious. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just going to be. But and and Cesaro love the dude. It's not that guy. Now, can he go out there and put on a five star match with Roman Reigns and change the course of his career? Yep. And I'm looking forward to that happening. But I think Roman Reigns is the definite winner. And that's the thing. These things kind of happen all the time. Like sometimes there's these, there's these world-class performances or these world-class moments that, you know, even in defeat, everyone's like, his time might not be now, but like one day it'll get it. I think that's the best Cesaro could hope for right now. Just like put on, put on a match that really makes me believe like, nah, this dude could definitely be champion. You know, he could be a great wrestler, all that. There's a difference between being that and being like the world champ. So uh, I, I, 
I don't think that's right now, though. I'm still holding yeah. out. I'm still holding out hope for Biggie. I still think Biggie might be in that mix, and we'll see what happens if if that train ever crosses. But I don't know. I don't know if there's anybody. I don't know who's on the roster that I can see believably beating Roman, except maybe Jay Uso. <laughs> maybe you know. So we'll see. Yeah. It's true. Well, we got to get out of here. Uh, we're going to have, uh, we have a pay-per-view on Sunday. We'll be back next Thursday with uh, with reaction to that. May, if something crazy happens, we'll be back on Sunday or Monday. Yeah, but, sure. Definitely. And we'll definitely have reactions to that. You know what we got to do next week? We got to give out some rockets next week because we haven't done that in a while. And, and, I, and I have a bunch of names, but I thought, let's wait till after the pay-per-view. We have a little bit more certainty about some of these people. And listen, by the way, this is how good things are right now. I'm going to make a very short list of things we didn't talk about this week that I wanted to talk about. Miro, new TNT champ. Miro is a new TNT champion. Absolutely. Uh, Humberto Carrillo almost broke his pelvis, but apparently is okay. Uh, thank goodness for that guy. Ginger Mahal is back. Uh, RK Bro is like the, the funniest thing in the world. These are so many, I have so many wrestlers who are now on my must watch list that weren't there like a month ago. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, John Moxley, who we're actually going to mention, uh, wrestled and defeated Yuji Nagata. Amazing stuff. Great match. He came out to Wild Thing also, which is dope. I, I know, I know. Uh, the the Orange Cassidy pack thing is, uh, well, we'll talk about more uh, more about that. I'll, give him, I'll give him a preliminary rocket for next week. Yeah, <laughs> and Kenny Cassidy. Omega, that thing is, it's, it's who. Uh, that's a match I'm looking forward to. There's like five more things on my list that I didn't even get a chance to talk about. But, um, oh, oh, oh. The debut of Hit Row or the intro, the formal introduction. Oh, motherfucking Hit Row! God of Hit damn Row. it! Jeez, I told y'all. I gave Swerve, I gave Swerve a rocket many moons ago, and man, that's that's how you debut a faction. I am super psyched for that group. Super I don't even. I, I rewatched that segment five times. I don't know what it was that made it so compelling, refreshing. But it, it felt was, new. It felt uh, different. I it loved was it. just a bunch of people introducing themselves. But it and was it was just tight. So, no, I know. I I don't know what it was. I was so enthralled by it. It was so. It was, yep. And it's a cool faction too because it's like, and they all le- like shoot legitimately make music too. So it's just like <laughs> that's it's man. We'll see where they go with this, but there's a lot to talk about. But next week, I guess, right? Yeah, wrestlers that shoot make music. Uh, you know, it's a long tradition. It includes the road dog as the roadie, and you know other people. So. Uh, yeah, I'm very hopeful about it. We got to get out of here, though. Uh, Kaz, you want to do some plugs on the way out? Yeah, man. Say less with Kaz, Loki, and Rosie every Monday. Check it out on all streaming platforms and on YouTube.com slash Kazim. Check me out on MSGPM tonight after the New York Knicks take on the San Antonio Spurs and this weekend against the Hornets and the Celtics. And uh, that is all I am plugging today. Thank you, Kaz. Thank you for listening. You know where to find me. I do this show in a show called The Press Box. Uh, thank you to our babyface production assistant, John. Wait, wait, soft, soft tease for next week. I think Samoa Joe. I think Samoa Joe is going to be just fine, guys. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> oh, soft tease for next week. Oh, <laughs> how are we breaking news at at uh, one oh seven fifty six on the show? That's how you get them next week, guys. That's how you get them next week. Rope them stay, in. Yeah, you got to stay tuned to the very end to find out what's going to happen on the Masked Man Show. We'll see you back here next week, humanoids. <laughs> Later. Tony Schiavone here on the Masked Man Show. We are desperately out of time. The tape machines are rolling. We'll see you next week on the Masked Man Show. 